Welcome everybody, this is Mining Stock Daily, Trevor Hall here reporting. It is Friday, March 1st, and we are just about one more step closer to spring and the PDAC conference beginning this weekend in Toronto. But before we kick things off from there, I have a very special guest, uh, my partner here on Mining Stock Daily, that is Dave Kranzler of Investment Research Dynamics and the Mining Stock Journal. Dave, how are you today? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well, thanks, Trevor. Thanks for having me on. Always glad to have you on. Uh, you're probably one of the best people I know on the technicalities of uh, gold and silver charts, and I kind of just wanted to dive right into that topic with you because we've seen some, I don't know if you could call it volatility. I've been uh, reading what uh, you've been posting online about uh, the pullback in gold in the recent days is actually you consider a healthy pullback. Um, if we if we go back about a week, week and a half, what are the technicalities of the gold charts telling you, and, and what are some of the analysis that you can provide our listeners? Sure. Well, first of all, I'd just like to say if I'm one of the best sources for technical information, <laughs> you must not know that many technical people. <laughs> I, only, I only stick with the best, Dave. <laughs> I mean, truth be told, I, I'm, I mean, I, you know, I look at charts because I think you have to. And um, I'm really more of a fundamental based guy, but I think I think technical analysis and techni- technical assessment of the charts has a place, but it's you know in the in the context of the the greater fundamental picture of what's going on. So um, I, I have a chart that I'm going to post for my subscribers in the mining stock journal uh the next issue which is out this evening and it i, I sourced it from uh the the felder report um and uh it's it's an analog chart and again i'm not a big proponent of analog charts i you know i i, I like peter the way peter lynch summarizes it you know charts are a great tool to show you what what's happened mm-hmm. <laughs> where mm-hmm. stocks have been um, but uh, anyway, this is an analog chart, and it shows gold versus the the, the ratio of gold to the S and P 500 from 1994 to to the present for the S and P, and overlaid on that is an eight-year period for um, gold versus the S and P from. Uh, 2000 it, they overlay 2012 to the present over 1994 to 2001 hmm. what i'm trying to say here if you can visualize that and there's a 90 percent correlation and, and what it does is it follows the the decline in the in the gold it's really the decline in the gold price during the 90s that bottomed out in the 2000 to 2001 period and that ratio declined so in other words over that eight-year period from 94 to 2001 Gold became extraordinarily cheap. You might say historically cheap versus stock assets, and that's essentially what that chart shows. And then the continuation of it is um, is is uh, the what happens between for that ratio from 2001, obviously through 2011 when gold hit uh, almost 2,000 bucks an ounce, it peaked mm-hmm. at 1,900. And then um, to the current, and it's and the implication there is if if the pattern plays out, 
is that right now gold is historically cheap versus stock assets and we can expect that that relationship to reverse and and the price of gold is going to start outperforming stocks going forward now if and when that happens you know that remains to be seen but essentially what i take away from this chart is that the downside risk of investing in gold right now is minimal versus investing in stocks and and gold is a is a phenomenal relative value price-wise relative to the stock market and, and other so-called risk assets. Okay. And, and talk about this pullback. Uh, I know anytime there's a pullback of, you know, tens, twenty, thirty dollars in the stock price, or excuse me, in the gold price, people tend to get a little weary perhaps. Um, what, what's your thoughts on the recent pullback this week in the spot price of gold? Where is it potentially coming from? And can we... Do you think uh, better days are yet yet ahead of us? Um, you know, that's a good question. You know, again, you know, I think I think the what's happened over the last twenty years or so, really, yeah, probably since since the internet bubble, is that you know people only look in front of their nose in terms of of what's going on with the price of anything. You know, it's like anything has become a day trading commodity, even houses, you know, this this flipping phenomenon. It's essentially the equivalent of day trading. Um, and, and if you look at so I've got another chart that I'm going to put in the journal tonight and it, it shows the price of gold going back to uh, late 2004. Now, the reason why I started in late 2004 is is um, it took gold the about a year to break through 400 hmm. and it would it would trade above 400 then go back below 400 and trade above it and and so that 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 went on for about a year and people were getting frustrated like they're getting frustrated now with gold trying to break above thir the 1360 area uh, well back then Robert Prechter of Elliott Wave fame in, in I think it was mid to late 2004 came out and said gold was going back to $50 an ounce and staying there for a long time. Well, shortly after that, gold broke above 400 and proceeded to run up to up to 1900 over the next seven years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that shows you how useful the Elliott wave <laughs> can be. Um, but at any rate, if you, you know, on this chart, you know, gold since since it pulled back or since it went into a mini bear market from from 2000 late 2011 september 2011 is when it peaked um and it bottomed out in in december 2015 um it, it's it's kind of forming what chart technicians would call i guess a bowl or a, a cup formation and that that potentially is a bullish formation uh james turk who is one of the few guys that i really pay attention to anymore in terms of analysis and wisdom um, shows this chart formation a lot and it's it's a bullish formation or it's potentially a bullish formation it doesn't guarantee anything is that the cup and the cup and handle formation sort of yeah this isn't really technically quite a cup and handle yet I mean it's it's kind of forming the, the, the bowl for the bowl part of the cup I guess you know, maybe it's a teacup. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but at any rate, uh, you know, gold is gold ran 
quite a bit. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I want to say gold between mid-August and, uh, you know, just call it last week, I guess, when, when gold was threatening the 1350 level. You know, it had run up about 11 or 12 percent since mid-August. And that, you know, I know people expect stocks to double overnight like <laughs> these tech stocks do. But, but you know, that, that's, a meaningful, that's a meaningful percentage price rise for any asset in that short a period. And so it's natural that, you know, as you get hedge funds and day traders in there chasing COMEX gold futures, chasing the price higher, then at some point they're going to take profits. I mean... If you were just looking at it as a short-term investment and you bought it at the end of August, you're an idiot if you don't sell it. <laughs> you know, when gold, you know, moves towards 1350 or at least takes some money off the table. So, you know, that dynamic's going to create a pullback and there, you know, the backdrop there is is, you know, the Fed and and um, the vacillation going on in the stock market where you've got a shifting of money almost on a daily basis between risk assets and so-called you know risk off assets of which gold would be considered um, so you know the current pullback that we're seeing I don't know how how severe it could get um, you know it might pull back to 1300. I think in the Mining Stock Journal a couple issues ago, I said I would not be surprised to see gold, you know, turn around and, and test the 12, 1290 to 1300 area before it moves higher again. Mm -hmm. Well, it's actually hanging in there a lot, a lot stronger than I would have expected. And um, part of that reason is, is that currently India is their demand for gold right now is stronger than it normally is during during January and February. They have a seasonal buying period that kind of starts in the spring but you know if it's starting now it's starting early and that's that's underpinning the bid for physical gold that can be delivered in the global market and same thing with china if you if you look at deliveries and withdrawals from the from the shanghai gold exchange they're they're quite strong right now for this time of year and um you know part of that i think is a is an overarching movement of dollars globally out of out of dollar-based assets or money moving out of dollar-based assets and moving into uh, either you know diversifying into different foreign currencies and and also you know as we've seen with the central bank demand data globally that's been released over the last few months central banks are are um, buying gold at, mm. at, at a fairly healthy clip right now yeah. so um, you know, with that as the fundamental backdrop, in addition to the, you know sort of the technical setup that we were talking about earlier, I think I think we likely will see much higher gold prices this year. I I I don't put targets on it anymore. I, I stopped doing that many years ago. Yeah. Um, I'll just say that I think by the end of the year, the price of gold and silver will be a lot higher than it is right now. Okay. Well, we we will take that for sure. Um, let's move on because <laughs> gold wasn't the, the only story this week. Obviously, there was a little bit of a, I don't know, you could call it a saga, if you will, between uh, the two largest gold miners uh, in the world, uh, Barrick initiating uh, a, quote, hostile takeover uh, for Newmont. And there was some uh, commentary back and forth between uh, both CEOs of these companies. Um, 
you know, I know you and I kind of chatted earlier in the week, uh, you know, kind of offline um, uh, about what, what was going on. Uh, what's your thoughts, uh, you know, as, as things have kind of tamed down and the water has settled a bit over the last couple of days? What, what's your thoughts on this uh, Barrick and Newmont uh, proposition that's uh, floated around and, um, you know, even with the, the two other big mergers with Barrick and Rangold and Newmont and Gold Corp? Well, the, the Newmont Gold Corp merger, obviously, you know, that, that won't happen if Barrick succeeds. Um, I think it's kind of a misnomer to call it a takeover at this point. <laughs> it's more like a take under, given that Barrick offered stock for stock at a, at a discount to where Newmont was trading when it made the offer. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really sure how it expects, you know, shareholders or even the Newmont, the Newmont board to take that offer seriously, you know, I think you have to offer a significant premium. Um, but when Barrick acquired Rangold, I mean, my my thinking on it was it, it shows the degree to which Barrick is desperate to accumulate gold reserves. It's it's been depleting its its gold reserves at a faster rate than it's been replacing them over you know for several years. Um, it, it kind of tells you that, you know, to the extent that Barrick geologists really know their stuff, it kind of tells you that they're not expecting to find any large untapped gold deposits anytime soon, if mm -hmm. ever. In fact, there's been a long time since there's been a, a, a large, a large gold deposit that's been discovered. Yeah. And we have seen Barrick, you know, since the Rangold merger, we had seen Barrick actually um, remove the company from some of the uh, joint ventures. For example, you know, a couple months ago, uh, it was ATAC Resources had to announce that Barrick was stepping out of, of their program up in the Yukon. And my thought was, well, they probably won't be the last ones that Barrick will take a step out from, uh, given the new management that stepped in. But um, yeah, it could be. You know, it's really interesting. I'm with you with, uh, you know, it's almost like if I wanted to, you know, buy, uh, buy your house and you were asking the asking price and I came in about, you know, <laughs> maybe a 20% below at your asking price. I don't think there's any way you would accept my offer <laughs> unless you really wanted to get out of there. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, in terms of pulling away from, you know, some of the, the small investments that it has you know barrack's not going to replace what it depletes picking up gold gold companies that have one and two million dollars one right. and two million ounce resource bases yeah you know they i mean they i don't know what i don't know what their total ounce count of mind per year but i know for instance at their joint venture pueblo viejo mine in the dominican republic it's a jv with gold corp ironically Barrick, sixty percent of it. That mine throws out two million ounces a year. So you're talking about, you know, that's one point two million ounces a year of depletion. So you're you're not going to replace that by buying a junior that has a million total ounces. They right. they need to accumulate a massive amount of reserves in order to keep the company perpetuating. And that's why they bought Rangold, and that's why they're going after Newmont. Now I will say, um, just from talking to people in the industry. Um, specifically operators in Nevada that, you know, a, a, a joint venture between Newmont and Barrick in, on their Nevada properties makes sense. There's probably a lot of cost synergies that can be squeezed out of there. 
But if you listen to the Barrick conference call, they're expecting people to buy into that deal based on this idea that there's, I don't know, $7 billion in value-added expense cutting or something like that, that Barrick can cut out of, out of uh, the cost structure via a merger. And now that's, at, that's like, you know, to me, that's, 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 uh, it's faith. It's, it's, yeah. it's having belief without evidence, because if you go on the evidence of Barrick's management over the last 20 years, it's been a very poorly managed company with making, making very, very bad, you know, investment decisions in terms of what they're willing to pay for an investment. And maybe that's part of their motivation for trying to buy Newmont at a discount to the market value. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, you know, again, my, my takeaway as much as anything, and yeah, it's going to stimulate, uh, you know, a big wave of mergers in the industry, because I think, you know, the problem Barrick's trying to address is, is a problem that's going to be faced by a lot of the large companies, mm -hmm. the, the largest companies that is, um, you know, and again, and you get to the point where your resource base is, is, is so large and we're not making any large global gold mine, gold deposit discoveries that at a point you're going to deplete away your, your assets if you don't figure out a way to replace them. And this is the cheapest way to try and replace them. Yeah. So how are, are these big mergers, in your opinion, are they good for explorers and, and mid-tier producers and how and how so? Eventually it will be. Yeah. I mean, I think. I think there's, you know, there's two directions this could go. You're going to see a, a rash of mergers amongst the the top ten largest gold mining companies, um, and and when when that gets consolidated, then I think these companies will start to turn to the juniors who have demonstrated economic resources and start acquiring those. So that's that's one direction I think you could see this going in. On the other hand, you could also see, you know, a, a consolidation of kind of the mid-tier mining companies. Centera Gold is an example um, of a company that I think, you know, would probably be interested in either merging as the acquirer or merging as as the target of, of, of an acquirer, you know, to go from sort of uh, a, a mid-tier mining company to a larger size mining company yeah. and and also to um you know look to double its resource base via mergers um on the other hand you could see a company like centera turn around and and um and, and acquire a handful of juniors in in areas where it operates like up in up in canada so yeah. Um, in fact, a lot of those those companies, those juniors that operate in the kind of the the eastern northeastern Canadian area, the Red Lake area, Timmins, I, I think you could start to see a, a wave of consult. And I don't know when this is going to start. It could start this year. It could start might not start until next year. But I think you will see a wave of consolidation. There's a lot of junior companies up there that have developing and developed projects that are, you know, transitioning into being shovel-ready mines with one, two, three million ounce deposits. An example is, is pure gold mining. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, if you, if you look at, for instance, the preliminary 
feasibility study that Pure Gold recently produced and, and add to that the preliminary economic analysis on three separate deposits on its property, on its Matson project up there. Um, you know, the net present value of those two, that those two studies show combined is, is almost triple Pure Gold's current market cap. And to me, that's a situation of a mining company that's largely de-risked. It's in an extremely mining, uh, you know, mining-friendly jurisdiction, so there probably won't be much in the way of problems getting um, permit, you know, the necessary permits. Um, and 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 that's an example of a of a junior mining company that I think is probably going to be swallowed up in the next twelve to eighteen months. Mm-hmm. So on. Um- the continued topic of mergers and acquisitions, I, I, it, I, maybe I just haven't been in the industry long enough uh, or been through enough cycles to really understand uh, what a good premium is like when one company is, is taken uh, with like a stock-for-stock stock transaction, right? So we've seen a few over the last few months where I've seen, you know, this merger represents a 20% premium on the company's stock price or even a 40% premium on the stock price. And maybe I'm just thinking like my my opinion of a premium is definitely should be more than forty percent. But I also remember we we're just coming out of the bottom of a a pretty terrible uh, bear market. You know, what are your thoughts on reasonable expectations uh, for speculators and investors who have money behind a company that are being acquired and they see a twenty to forty percent premium on the share price, knowing that even with that premium the share price isn't as much as it was, say, a year or 18 months ago? There's not really a, a black and white answer to that question because it, it kind of depends on, you know, the component of the offer. Is the offer all cash? Is it a combination of stock and cash, or is it is it stock for stock? So, for instance, Barrick offered stock for stock for, for Newmont, <laughs> And even if it was, you know, a five or ten percent premium to the market price, if I was a large Newmont shareholder, I wouldn't sell. I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, support the 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 offer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's for sure. In fact, I'd probably legally try to fight it. Um, if it's, you know, if, if Barrick went in there and offered all cash at a at a ten or fifteen percent premium, I think you'd probably take it and redeploy your cash into, um, you know. Newmont's peer mining companies. So, um, in, in terms of a junior, it's the same. It's the same thing. Is it you know is is the is it a twenty percent premium all cash or you know a twenty percent offer premium that stock for stock can quickly turn into just a ten percent premium. Mm-hmm. And you know again we're we're at such you know the the analysis applied to gold being cheap relative to the stock market right now. The same analysis can apply to junior mining stocks relative to the price of gold. In fact, I think the only time junior mining stocks have ever been cheaper relative to the price of gold may have been in in the early 2000s. But I think I think they're they're again I haven't looked at the the ratio lately last month or two, but um, I I think. You know the the junior mining stocks are, are probably about as cheap as they've ever been historically relative to the price of gold, which which means they're good value relative to buying bullion, and they're and they're great value relative to buying, um, you know, the rest of the stock market. So, um, it, it, you know, 
my biggest fear is that all the companies that we own in my fund are, are going to get takeovers, <laughs> uh, takeover propositions, <laughs> you know, at these low levels. That would really bum me out. And I've been involved in stocks where I thought that they were they were getting taken over at you know too low a level, but at a point. You know, if, if the premium, if the takeover offer is high enough, the management has to take it to the board and the board has to take it to the shareholders. And so, you know, and if, if a majority of the shareholders agree to do the deal, you, the deal's done. So um, I hope that we get a nice rally in the market because, if, you know, the, the typical junior mining stock could double or triple from here. And then I want to, and then, you know, I'd rather have a 10% takeover premium after one of my mining companies has doubled than have a 20% or 30% takeover premium now, right? Right. <laughs> right. So to be honest with you, while I do think that we're going to start seeing um, takeovers of, of um, acquisitions of junior miners, I think I think it's it already has heated up. There's been several deals down in Mexico. Um, there's been a couple in Canada. Um, I really hope that we get a good rally in the sector before before the takeover wave really starts to hit the juniors. Right. right. Uh, so, Dave, we only have a few minutes left, so I thought we maybe just would go into maybe a few uh, companies or stock picks, if you will, that uh, you got your eye on and uh, looking for some more updates and information from coming into this spring. Uh, what are some companies you really like right now and uh, maybe you're picking up more shares of in your fund? Sure. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about my my favorite favorite junior exploration companies because I you know I gotta I gotta embargo those for my mining stock journal subscribers. I, mm -hmm. I'm very protective of of the subscribers to both my journals in that regard. Um, but I mean, there's there's you know some of these stocks that I'll throw out here are are, are well covered by plenty of newsletters um, and smaller regional brokerage firms. So Pure Gold's an example of of a company that I think it, it, you know again you gotta with the juniors you gotta segment between the companies that are largely de-risked or or substantially de-risked and that have approved economic resource and you know are in the process of advancing their their property to mine construction and and the companies that are pure you know exploration. I call it optionality upside type companies, companies that are sitting on projects that have indicated the potential for a substantial resource. When I say substantial, if you got a, a junior mining company trading at a, at a $15 million market cap and they can prove out a million ounce deposit, you know, that's that's worth a hundred, a hundred million to 200 million once once it goes into mine construction so um i kind of you know i'm probably not going to offer up any of those ideas because those are for my subscribers but um uh, another another largely or substantially de-risk company that i think is undervalued right now is treasury metals and that's also up in the ontario um you know i forget which gold camp it's in one of the one of the big ontario gold camps and it's it's uh, I think it's pushing, you know, maybe three or four million total ounces, including inferred. And, and it's I mean, they're probably shovel ready in the next six to 12 months. Mm -hmm. And I 
It's another one that I think is probably going to be consolidated by an acquirer. Yeah. How about uh, there's one company that you and I both have some interest in and in, in investment behind, and that would be Vista Gold because they really made a run in uh, their stock price last week, a huge volume day. It ran up about uh, maybe close to 30%. Um, what's your thoughts on Vista Gold and, and the the move behind that stock? Sure. I, you know, I, I remember that day you were talking about, it was up 20% at one point during the day on, on huge volume, like 10 times its normal volume. Um, Vista Gold, I think, is, is, is just absurdly undervalued versus the intrinsic value of its deposit. I mean, it's got, what, close to 6 million ounces of reserve gold. Yeah, proven and probable reserves of like 5.8 million ounces. Something like that, yeah, yeah, close to six million, and um, I mean, it's it's got a it's a roughly a seventy million dollar market cap on something that I think. I mean, if you, if you could just fast forward and and turn it into a producing mine right now, it would probably be market cap somewhere between two hundred and fifty and three hundred and fifty million in the market. You know, and mm-hmm. and maybe one of the things that investors are looking at or the market's leery of is it's got a big capital upfront capital nut. But even when you include when you include the cost of putting in the mine, um, you, you know, this 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 is potentially, you know, especially if the price of gold goes higher and you include the, the construction debt in your in your uh, valuation of this thing, this thing's probably a billion dollar company. You know, equity market cap plus the amount of debt that it's going to take to build the company. So, um, at some point, the markets, the market, the, the broader market's going to realize how cheap Vista is relative to its potential value. And again, you're talking about a situation here that, uh, aside from from you know raising the money that's involved to to constructing the mine, I mean, it's largely de-risked. And they've that management has done a great job advancing this property, and we we own it in our fund. And um, in fact, we added some shares right before it took off, and it was, it was just happened to be luck. I had no <laughs> Good idea. Timing. I, was just, I was looking at a fifty dollar, I mean a fifty cent stock, and I said to my partner, "We got to add a little more of this. This is stupidly cheap." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Dave, well, that is literally all the time we have is that we need to wrap things up. Uh, but real quick, uh, I know you mentioned the chart you're going to be sharing with your mining, uh, mining stock journal subscribers. Um, how to how do people subscribe to your journal? Where can they find it? And uh, what's the uh, total cost to do that? Sure. Real quickly, um, just another stock idea, because this is one that I've, you know, my subscribers have had ample time to buy this stock is Paramount Gold. And they've got a, they're advancing a project in in uh, uh, I, um, Oregon. And most people would think of Oregon as a tree hugger state and anti-mining. But as a matter of fact, um, in the area of Oregon where they're developing or advancing this this project, uh, the state itself is actually encouraging mine development there to, because they need the tax base and they need they need the jobs. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, again, this is this is a stock that has about a ninety or a hundred million dollar market cap, and it probably deserves closer to a two hundred million dollar market cap. It's largely de-risked, 
And um, again, I think this is one, the, the management has a track record of developing a property and selling it. And I think you're going to see this. I think Paramount is, is one that would be a nice one to two million ounce acquisition for a company uh, looking to add to its a mid-tier company looking to add to its resource base. And and it's almost, you know, you know you, you, you're getting close to having a shovel ready project here. So, mm -hmm. you know, and you're going to be the thing will be generating revenues in 18 to 24 months. So. Um, I think that's one that also um, is cheap relative to the risk embedded in the stock and um, it will eventually be acquired in the next, call it 18 to 24 months. So, okay. um, but at any rate, um, you can find a link to subscribing to the Mining Stock Journal at my website, investmentresearchdynamics.com. And I, I put out two issues a month and the cost is 20 bucks a month and there's no there's no minimum commitment i mean you can sign up for a month and if you don't like it i'll be happy to cancel it for you all right well thanks dave i look forward to catching up with you once i uh, return home from uh, pdac and uh, again thanks for uh, all your support and help here on mining stock daily it definitely makes my life a little bit easier and i uh, appreciate everything you put into it and um and hope our listeners also appreciate the time you give us, uh, you know, once every few months. So hope you have a great day. Thanks. You too, Trevor. That's going to wrap things up here on Mining Stock Daily for this week. I will be traveling to Toronto for the Prospectors and Developers Association of Canada conference. Uh, I leave this weekend and will be reporting from the investors for uh, most of the week and be conducting interviews uh, throughout the next few days to be aired in the weeks to come. Uh, I'll also be following up with our sponsors. And just a rem reminder, those sponsors do consist of Integra Resources, Brixton Metal, Western Copper and Gold, and Monera Alamo. So I'm looking forward to following up with all of those companies as well. So until then, thank you for tuning in. Uh, be sure to uh, tap me on the shoulder and introduce yourself at PDAC. I look forward to meeting as many people as I can. And until Monday, have yourself a great weekend. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with material presented herein.